Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Well, we started out 2020 with some decent numbers. Day two of trading in this new year, not as pretty, especially when you take a look at what's happening in the soybeans. We'll talk a little bit about this trade action that's been going on. How much of it is buy the rumor, sell the fact? We'll get those details coming today from Sean Hackett. Sean is with Hackett Financial Advisors. And really, Sean, does it come down to that? Were we buying on that rumor that this trade deal, even though it said it's going to be signed on the 15th we're just kind of waiting now yeah i mean i think we put as much you know premium as we're going to put in um and and you know once again trading that news trading that idea of, of you know new demand from china more consistent demand from china and i think now we're in the show me time you know show me the the, the money show me that this is going to be a game changer a consistent demand driver and of course today's numbers from soybeans and lean hogs leave a lot to be desired that Somehow they didn't show up this week. You know, maybe it was just a holiday week. Maybe it doesn't mean anything. But at a time when we don't know the details and we've run the market up a lot and, and speculators have quite a lot of profits that are starting to erode, it's a reason to take profits off the table. And that's what we saw today. Well, you're looking at a, on the nearby is a 13 and three quarter cent drop on soybeans. Many folks thinking that we could, you know, ride this wave up until September, or up until January 15th. You know, it's always hard to know when, when the market's done pricing in a future event, but once, in our view, President Trump put a date, an actual date, I think it would have been better if he just said we're going to eventually sign it. But once he put the date on, then the market had that timeline, and it's really, to me, um, kind of hurt the market's ability to trade. You know, that signing in, in two weeks away or less than two weeks away is really not a long time. I think everyone's looking for the exits looking to the guy that will light and left and say, who's going to sell first? It's kind of like having loaded guns at each other. Who's going to shoot first? And I think somebody's starting to sell and others worried that they've outlived their stay here. So, so. that so that means in many ways, Sean, we've kind of run out of steam and the market's not good when we go next week into a full trading week of the new year. Well, it isn't. And and, and on top of it, you know, we're, you know, weather in South America looks pretty good. You know, normally we'd be trading weather this time of the year, and we traded this phase one trade deal the last 30 days. But it, but if we hadn't had a phase one trade deal uh, agreed to, with the kind of good weather we've had over the last you know two to three weeks, we'd be markedly lower. And we think South American weather is going to take center stage more so than it has. We also think that the USDA report that you know many still believe is going to show some bullish numbers. We just don't see any reason for that to take place. The history of the USDA with late developing crops, low test weight crops, high moisture crops, crops sitting out in the field is they don't come to, tr- to the truth of the matter until at least March. And a lot of times it takes until the June quarterly grain stocks report to get there. So we're very, very, you know, not excited about anyone betting on a, go- on a bullish USDA report either. We think January is going to be a, a, a corrective month that probably started yesterday with the violent reversal. In, in a lot of grain markets and, and our other ag markets. So have we run this market up too much already? Based upon South American weather, we have. We believe that we have done that. We believe we've overplayed what the Phase 1 trail means, and the market needs to kind of recalibrate that to, to kind of better mesh with improved longer-term demand with better shorter-term supply prospects out of South America. So I do, and when you look at the chart structure of many markets like KC Weed or corn or soybeans, we moved right into extreme overhead resistance that failed to be exceeded, you know, and now we're 
we're looking at those downside support levels, which were which are still quite a bit below where we are today. So looking at um, exports, no surprise, they remain soft. Everything's up in the air with, with trade deals. Is that momentum going to continue for the market? Well, I think the market, you know, once again, is in a show-me market. It's going to want to see not only just one week. So, so let's just say this week was an aberration, and next week we see better numbers again. It's going to want to see you know, two or three weeks in a row. It's going you know, to want to see that this is a sustainable uh, situation, not just a when they buy a little bit here and then they pull back. And remember, we already been through that all last year. They bought for a little while and they pulled back, and they bought for a little while and pulled back. We want a trade deal that says they're buying every week, all the time, and it's going to take a while to build that confidence. And given that we don't know the details of what the trade deal really means, so I have a listener question, and and you're probably one of the best ones to answer this at this point. As we look at the U.S. airstrikes that we had, and what this has meant. How is it going to affect our commodity markets? Could some of that have had an influence on today's trade? No doubt when you throw in an unknown, something that was not anticipated, a shock to the system at a time when we tend to have less volume and less depth in the market, like the bombings in, our, you know, in, in the Middle East, um, it, it's, a, it's a more of a reason to take risk off. The market always worries initially that this kind of, um, of bombing is going to escalate. And escalation, if it were to continue and run oil prices up too high, we know that tends to have a negative economic impact on a global basis, especially for those that are the largest buyers of ag markets. And so it throws additional concern to what the demand side profile really will look like. You know, should this get out of control and we see oil move into the 70 or $8 barrel, um, when, the, when the global economy was already fragile to begin with, it, it just worries the market that demand could be soft or softer than was originally anticipated. That did not help today. So does that then add some worries to, to Wall Street, to the way the dollar is trading into these next couple of weeks? Absolutely. You know, I mean, the, the stock market clearly, you know, had some weakness today, um, you know, based upon this concern over the potential escalation. You know, we've, we've been dealing with a weak dollar um, and it tried to rally, you know, we tried to rally yesterday and, and this morning looked pretty good and then it, it really failed to follow through and the idea is that if the global economy is going to weaken further on an escalation of war in the Middle East, then that means that the Federal Reserve may not take their pedal off of the easing cycle and that tends to be bearish the U.S. dollar. So, so it's kind of a lot of, a lot of wheels are in motion and of course a weaker dollar, Michelle, I mean, I'm Michelle, I'm, uh, Susan, ah, sorry about that, Susan, is, um, you know, is a long-term bullish factor. More is coming up. It's the Fontenelle Final. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. We continue to be joined by Sean Hackett of Hackett Financial Advisors. We always like to catch up on what's happening in the dairy industry. And I think if we look back on the calendar, last time you were on the air with me, we were talking about the dairy side of this market and that a top was coming. And, and you were giving some some good thoughts for our dairy producers. Has that top taken place? Um, we did, in fact, you know, did see a top, you know, in, in the early part of December. We, in fact, put out a recommendation to sell on December 4th in our report to uh, subscribers. Uh, it just turned out to be the exact top. I mean, we, sh- you know, we, we don't say that saying we do that every time, but we did actually pick the exact day of the top before the $2 decline in Class 3 prices. And we think this is part of a longer-term corrective phase, Michelle. We ran the market up due to U.S. production being down because the economics were so bad. We ran the market up here into the December timeframe because of New Zealand weather. 
and we kind of priced all of that in, and now we're seeing some improved production. And of course, there is a price sensitivity to cheese demand um, when prices get as high as they've gotten. And so we're really feeling as we move into the seasonally stronger period of production for the EU and for the U.S., uh, you know, weakness should continue into April before maybe we bottom this market out and we can look higher. So, so we think the top has been made and that we're in a longer-term corrective phase now for the dairy industry. So looking at that, are we looking into the second quarter before we could possibly see some turnarounds? We went back, Michelle, and looked at all the years that we priced in a New Zealand weather problem and weather uh, and production problem. And all those markets, it took at least until April to bottom the market out from the post-New Zealand weather problem. And so we would think that we would at least correct into April, potentially May. So, yes, I think it would take until the second quarter before we can bottom this market out. And it doesn't mean we go up immediately thereafter, but at least it would be a period where the market would stop falling and start building a base for potentially a summer rally uh, that may take place due to weather or gray markets doing better or something of that nature. But we do think it's going to be pretty hard to rally this market at least until April or May. Well, we have had two weeks of, of holiday type of trade, and obviously right smack dab in the middle of the week was the holiday. Does that put some anxiousness in, in our livestock markets? I mean, there's always anxiousness during uh, the holiday period for livestock markets. You know, we're always, you know, switching over from the holiday demand uh, to um, the weaker part of the demand. And, and, and so trading is lighter. Um, and, and, and so in, in most markets, it's just a period of uncertainty. And everyone's trying to figure out, you know, are the trends that we saw going to continue or are we going to see some big changes, which sometimes we do and sometimes we don't. But we do think that, you know, we're throwing in this, this unrest in the Middle East, uh, you know, and 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 it, it just doesn't help the anxiety that we have here. And so, I just think a lot of market players are going to be just sitting on the sidelines, taking chips off the table, reducing size until we can get some clarity on what really all this means. And, and it doesn't help to be in the holiday, you know, transition period. Can we play some some catch up, Sean, and and look at the the cash? I mean, we know that pretty much Packers are probably have been set to get them through at least in, into next week. But is that going to continue to weigh in on the cash trade? Um, you know, we think that it probably will, Michelle. You know, I mean, I I, I think that uh, Susan. <laughs> well, two two strikes from out, Michelle. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. Anyway. Um, I think the cash is still going to be running week next week, Susan. I really do. Um, uh, I don't think that we're going to un- get rid of this uncertainty or holiday malaise until we get further beyond the first week of, of January, typically. And so I don't think cash is going to be any help um, until we get probably into the second or third week of January where we may see some renewed demand coming in, maybe from trade uh, out, of, out of you know Japan or China or, or, or just some, some market players coming back into the market post-holiday trade. What about these, I mean, the nearbys on the hogs saw the limit down trade. We had the near yeah. limit down for the rest of these markets. What are your thoughts on these hogs? Not what we want to see in 2020. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, you know, when we have a, a missed export number like we did today, um, you know, it just set the market off. And, um, and of course, it happened during holiday trade. It happened during a period of unrest in the Middle East. We are bullish the hog market. We don't believe that this is the beginning of a protracted decline in hogs. We do believe that there's anything the Chinese do need to buy 
have been buying and will continue to buy regardless of the details of the phase one trade deal, we do believe that the hog market will be a, a beacon for them to continue to buy aggressively. And we are going to be losing 350 million pounds of supply in the first quarter and an additional 350 million pounds of supply in the second quarter. Best way for folks to get a hold of you, Sean. Our website at Hackett, H-A-C-K-E-T-T, advisors.com is our best place to go. We have all kinds of information on it about what we do to see if your listeners might benefit from it. All right, sounds good. Sean Hackett joining us today. Just a reminder, commodity futures and options do involve substantial risk of loss and are not suitable for all investors. That is the Fontenelle Final Bell being brought to you by Fontenelle and all the local dealers. Catch us as a podcast through ruralradio.com or subscribe wherever you subscribe to your favorite podcast. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.